Thank you for listening to the official podcast of Everyday Church. We are a body of believers in Oklahoma City with the mission to live out our faith on a daily basis. Let's listen in as we hear a powerful message from God's Word. All right. Good morning. It's good to be back here on the, you know, the border of Moore, land of Toby Keith and Oklahoma City. This is good. It's right on the border, isn't it? That's cool. Um, I try to explain in Kenya, by the way, how this church was formed uh, through tornado, uh, tornado, and it's a fascinating story. But anyway, uh, it's great to be back here. Um, what we're going to do is, as John said, it's it's pretty different uh, for a Sunday morning service. But we really appreciate you all uh, letting us do this. Um, so, what I'm going to do is uh, we're going to have a time where Paul is going to share, and then I will come and share a little bit more about what's happening with uh, the future of Center Will. And then finally, we're actually going to open it up for questions, which you don't have in church very often. But uh, we think like, it might be a good thing for you all to be able to ask questions. Uh, it doesn't matter what the questions are about, if it's about the culture, about what we're doing, uh, about the children or the widows, anything you want to ask us, great, how long it takes to fly over there. Anyway, if you all would, uh, welcome Paul. And uh, before you do, I, I want to, I hope you don't mind me uh, telling them this. Um, Paul's lovely wife, Mercy, uh, her father passed away yesterday. And uh, it's very difficult, as you can imagine, Paul over here. So I hope that uh, we take time to pray for Mercy well. But anyway, give it up for one of the greatest guys I've ever known, Paul. I'm happy to be here this morning, and I thank God because of this great day he has given us. It is only God who has connected us with you guys. It is because of the love of God we are here. And if it were not Jesus, uh, we could be connected. But because of the love of Jesus, the one we do here every day, every time, every walk, every work that you do, you mean to tell him, thank you, Jesus. He's the one who has made us to be alive. He's the one who has made us to be here. And to me, I always tell God, help me to walk in your ways and to stand firm in your ways because it is the only way and it is the only way that we can do. Uh, for those who don't know, my name is Paul. My wife is called Mercy. And God blessed us with two children boys. One is Kish and the other one is Felix. Kish next year is joining high school and Felix is joining grade two. Yeah. <laughs> so they are doing good. Uh, even this uh, morning I was talking to them. I was trying to encourage my wife that we I lost my Father-in-law, uh, in Kenya, uh, losing your father-in-law is even more than losing your father, the real biological father. So we always feel so uh, bad because when your wife is not happy, 
you also not happy completely. You feel so down. But I thank God because everything God is in control. He knows our life. He knows the reason why. And in everything, he says that we should tell him thank you because he knows better and he knows the reason why to do that. Okay. Um, as you have learned that I'm operation manager of Centerwheel, and many of you have made a visit. And I came to learn that uh, this church, I have a big number, big number, that really cares for our children. And may God bless you much, and may God keep you healthy and every time. Let your money focus on the light way, but not on sickness way, in Jesus' name. Because the work that you are doing is a terrible. You are really studying the book of James, chapter number one, verse number 27, that we need to care for our orphans and widows. And center where it is the exact thing that we are doing. We stand in that verse and we are going to make it reality to those who are, uh, who are not really able to make their life to look like way that the others are having the life. The children are doing great. They are very happy. When I was coming, they were telling me, Paul, say hi to David. Say hi to my donor. So everyone could hang to me, just say hi to my donor, say hi to, my, uh, to the people there, say hi to David. And uh, those who are there maybe previous year or maybe at the time we were opening the home, late now, like girls, they are grown big. They are so, they are doing great things. They are so happy. And we, the problem is that we are going on receiving more children, but the space, no space. But we thank God because um, he's really working upon our center, upon our children. And I want to tell you that uh, they always pray for you. Every meal that they make, Wherever they want, they want to go to sleep, wherever we have fellowship, we have fellowship every Tuesday and Fridays. Everyone have to speak about, God bless my sponsor. And I tell God, thank you. Because I know that one, it really comes all the way. It closes all the seas, all the countries, up to the person who is here in Oklahoma. And Lily, I love the way that... Uh, they, they have come to realize that it is only Jesus who has made them to be the way they are. You see, when a child starts realizing the position that she or he is, and know that it is God, you, you feel good that this child now can recognize God and can do something great. So, with you, with your players, with your finances, we thank you very much because the father that we have, the breakthrough that we have seen, it is through your support. And we thank God and we will keep on praying for you guys. And always, I always tell my people or whenever I meet my friend, who maybe take a, a few minutes talking with them that uh, Always let your life rely on Jesus. And when you stand firm to the Jesus, 
he will never shame you. David said that. He has never seen anyone who has been praising God having been ashamed. But all the time, he keep on walking strong. He keep on walking, thanking God. So the center where was growing up, I want to tell you that if you see me now smiling here, the same thing, the children are smiling. They are doing good. Uh, we are hoping to have a very big uh, holiday. Our holiday started uh, last week. That is the time they were closing school, and they will open the school January. So I cannot be here for more than three weeks because uh, they are waiting for me. I have to go and do some of the schedules so that we can have fun, we can have games, we can have a, a counseling time, we can have a games time for them to be busy uh, until when they open the schools. So I want to tell you that uh, what you are doing to them, it has really worked well. Many children have improved their education. The health is okay. They are wearing so good. In fact, some of the children before uh, we took over, they, they were not be able to concentrate in school. And some were not in school. Some were in the streets. And those who we collected from the streets, they are the ones who are performing very well. Because whenever we meet a child, the child can tell us that, uh, please, for if you take me, I want to go back to school. So you can feel that the child is willing to go to school. But now, the area where the child is cannot make it. You see, some of our children, we were collecting from trust. You call it trust? Yeah, trust bin. We call it a bin, dusty bin. So some of them, they don't know their relative. They don't know any one of their relatives. So they were taken when they were small kids by the mother who went that orphanage before he died, before she died. So when the child sit down and tell you the story, the child will start just to tell you the story when she he started getting, now I can be able to differentiate what is that. But when you ask that child, do you know any relative, he tells him, no, my relative that I know it is Anne. Anne is the lady who went collecting them. Because now when they grow up, they met that uh, Anne, who was keeping them well. And the time that we took over with Devin, I remember that time that uh, she called me and we had a meeting. And the one that she sent to me, it really made me feel, and the tears came out that, uh, oh, I'm going to go to hospital, I'm unwell. And I want to tell you that if I will not come back, you take over the children. And I said, take over the children? They were in 27 number. Imagine by then, I think I had one child. I'm trying and I'm struggling to bring up one child and yet now he's adding 27 children. <laughs> oh. My tears came down, but uh, I remember very well David... Uh, kicked me at the back and told me, Paul, don't worry, God is in control. And I know that God will take control of everything. And I said, thank you because of that one. 
Imagine when this lady went to, to hospital, she did not come back. And when, before she dies, she wrote a number in a paper, and she gave that number, cell phone number, to the son. And the son now was not knowing me. He really called me and told me some of the ones that her mother sent to, to him, that you were told to take the children. And now mama, our mom has died, so I want to meet with you so that I can hand over the children to you. I thank God because uh, the local people, the local church there came up bringing the food. Uh, that's the time now David came back to America. We started talking more than the, we used. Every time we could wash up, every time we could uh, uh, later a message in, uh, in Messenger for our, the children are going, what do you need? We started keeping up, on, and uh, I really trust God that uh, we were not left behind. People came in helping the food, and what I was thinking that I will start uh, suffering, but I, I didn't, actually. That's the time I knew that God, you say that uh, you want to see God, but that's the time that I saw that God is doing really a wonderful job because the same, same year, the owner of the land came in and told me that, Paul, I've given you this year to evacuate my place. I have nowhere to take the children. I have no place. So I started saying, now, what am I going to do? I talked to David. David told me, now, Paul, can you just approach that uh, uh, the landowner and maybe speak to her that if we, she can allow us maybe to give us another ear. Then I told David, yes, I'm going to do that. I travel on to Nairobi. That is where that lady lives. I went, I called her, we meet in an hotel. I explained all the problem that I had and the reason to meet her. Then she kept it quiet and later on she told me, okay, Paul, I've given you some more two good years. My heart was relieved. And now that's the time now I came back on knees again, praying for God to open our way to our land. And we thank God that time, uh, David did a fundraising here, and we bought the land, seven acres. And from buying the land, God opened more ways. We got the money to build the houses. We built three houses. Even I did not finish those two years that uh, she had given me. Then I called her, I told her, I want to leave your land and uh, I want you to come so that you can assess your land if it is okay before we move. And we thank you for what you, you did to us. And then she was so happy. She appreciated a lot. And that time we moved to Centerwell, the one that we have now, and we are growing up. We have a uh, small chicken that we want to want to become more. We have, we had one cow but died because of levis, but we thank God uh, some people provided two. And now we have two cows now. The cries that we had now, they wiped our tears. Actually, guys, I want to tell you that uh, God is doing, doing great, great uh, work in Centerville. Uh, let me tell you that we will never 
in our life, to forget you in our prayers, because you really stand with us a lot. If you stand with somebody, despite even giving, praying for that person is really something good. Very important. Because you will cause someone else to trigger someone else maybe to come in and to help that person. So it is good to keep on praying each other. It is good to keep on asking your friend, how are you doing? Don't take this life as a, as a normal. No, God has given us a chance just to share the glory, just to share the love. And that's why we are connected with you. And my prayer is that uh, keep on, keep on the ways of God. And God is going to help you. God is going to stand with you. God is going to be with you. God is going to surround your family. So thank you. I think I welcome Devin to say something to you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I want to just share a few things about Paul. We'll bring Paul back up uh, at the end when we ask, have you all ask some questions. Um, you feel free to sit down if you want, and then uh, we'll bring you back up. But um, uh, so his English not clicking. You can go ahead and have a seat if you'd like. We're going to do that later. Yeah, yeah, we're going to do that later. Okay. Um, I'll tell you a few uh, things about Paul and some of our, our staff in Kenya. First of all, uh, Paul is someone that is well-loved in the community uh, and well-known, uh, which is a great advantage for us to have somebody like that on our team. Uh, one thing I've learned is you don't want to be pulled over by the police in Kenya. And um, they... If you had a headlight out, um, the police pulled you over. Uh, if you could not pay the fine right then, you will go to jail. You will not go to the police station. You'll go to jail until you can pay the fine. Uh, so you always want to have some cash, I guess, in case that happens. But one time we did get pulled over, and I was in the back seat, and the police officer, we could see him walking up, and he seemed like he was not maybe a friendly guy. And, um, and he told us to get our you know, IDs out and he told me, he looked at me and he said, get your passport and he did not seem very happy. And, uh, and then he looked down and he saw Paul sitting in the back seat and the guy just started laughing. He said, Paul, Paul. <laughs> and he gives everybody back their IDs. He's like, go, go ahead, go away. I thought, boy, it's good to have Paul around. <laughs> and just one more little tidbit that I think is funny. Um, in Kenya, uh, it's very common for them to uh, uh, listen to... Uh, in fact, when, when we get in a vehicle, normally to drive with our staff, they're listening to either Kenny Rogers or Old Dolly Parton. So I've heard Jolene more times in Kenya... <laughs> 
than I ever heard in Oklahoma. And Kenny Rogers is a phenomenon in, Ken, in Kenya. That's true. I don't know why. I remember seeing Kenny Rogers once. This is not church talk, is it? But anyway, uh, I remember seeing him on the Tonight Show, and, and the, I think it was Jay Leno who asked him, are you aware that you're so famous in Kenya? And he's like, yeah, I, I've heard that, but I just don't know why. It's very, very true. But I asked uh, all of them, uh, all of our staff, have you ever heard of Garth Brooks? And they go, no, never heard of him. Toby Keith, no. And this last trip, I asked Catherine, I said, have you ever heard of the Beatles? And she goes, no, I haven't heard of them. But she's heard of Kenny Rogers. <laughs> so uh, it's just an interesting thing. But um, one of the things, just listening to, to Paul speak, that I, I think is worth sharing um, is this idea of, you know, the name derives from something my wife had come up with when she was, I think she was in high school, if I remember right. But it was a word that, that meant living in the center of God's will. And I don't know why she... <laughs> I, I guess I do know why, but she got that at such a young age, just kind of put it in her pocket, I guess, and just said, I have this word that God gave her. And, you know, 20 years later, we, we get married and, and uh, we start this, and she says, I have a name. And I thought, wow, okay. And uh, it was perfect because it really is what it's about, is, is what we try to do is live in the center of God's will. Uh, <coughs> Um, to be in the center of God's will, though, you have to know God's will. And I think you find that through reading Scripture. And I think this is a very important component, is our prayer time and our time reading the Scripture. If you want to read a paraphrase version like the message, or if you want to go old school, you know, King James, whatever it is, just get into the Word of God. And and then start praying that God would give you courage and boldness and wisdom and, uh, and that God would give you a mission, something. Because um, God will put you to work. For us, um, <laughs> God really put us to work. And, and Paul was explaining this a little bit, but this orphanage, it was very, uh, it was in the slums, and it uh, was run by one woman named Ann Mugway out of Kenya, and she rescued children off the street. And I know some of you have heard this story before, but it, for those of you who haven't, um, Ann, one day I, I went to visit Kenya, and we, we had this idea that we were going to provide uh, mattresses and beds for uh, a couple of small orphanages in Kenya that really needed it. And Paul had found this, this orphanage, and he said, this is, this is the one we need to go to. And when I got there, I met with Ann, and uh, she, she and I had a great conversation, but she told me that God told her that he was sending somebody. And uh, I, I think maybe red flags went off for me a little bit, like maybe I was going to be conned here. And so uh, in my heart, I didn't say this out loud, but in my heart, I was like, well, good luck with that, you know, because uh, it ain't me. 
It, God didn't bring me. Uh, here's your mattresses and stuff like that. But I could clearly see what she was saying was that God had said he was bringing somebody um, to take over. Within a year of that time, she passed away. And as Paul was explaining, on her deathbed, not only did she tell her children that, that we were the ones she had believed God had brought to take over, but she had actually written Paul's cell phone number down and given it to one of her sons and said, you know, call him. Because I think she knew she wasn't coming back. And uh, Paul saw it very much as a curse. Um, maybe not in the way that we use the word curse, maybe, but, uh, you know, a struggle that seemed insurmountable. And I saw it more as a, and this is, in all fairness, I, I say this because I'm all the way in America. I don't have to be there every day. Um, but is that I looked at it like the David and Goliath, that God has given you a challenge, so uh, let's go. Let's get it on. He grabbed his rocks. He didn't want Saul's armor. He grabbed his rocks, his sling, and he went after it. He, he literally ran towards Goliath. I just can't imagine, like, was he, like, did he want to hurry up and get to lunch or something? Like, he wanted to get this over with. And I felt like that was what we needed to do, is let's not be timid about this. She and died. Let's get it on. Let's go do this. We had three full-time employees, and I told them, as of now, we're just focused on this orphanage. You know, we're not doing all the other stuff we were doing. We're not doing that anymore. We're doing this until we get something figured out. Um, Paul is in the country right now, and uh, one of our other employees got here last night, Catherine, and, um, really to help us try to raise money. Uh, it's it's a painful part of the process. I'll, I'll tell you that that I uh, I don't earn a salary uh, off center will. I keep my day job, and so does my wife, and uh, we have a board of directors that actually pays for all of our operational costs. So uh, when somebody gives or you sponsor a child or you, you give towards the building in Centerville Village, uh, it goes 100% to the, the actual work on the ground. I'd like to quit my job, but I just it, it wouldn't. there's just no way financially that it would just destroy everything we're doing. So we, we trust God in this. Um, but, uh, eventually the, the good news was, is that we, we bought land. We were able to move the children, uh, to this beautiful place where we built three homes and it was done within six months. Not only did we build it in six months, we raised the money and built it. And I'm not talking like a few thousand dollars. We had to raise about $150,000 and I am the horribly unqualified to do this. Last time I was here, I spoke about, you know, God qualifying the unqualified. Uh, and I, you see that all throughout Scripture. He picks somebody who, uh, where in the end, you know, the glory is going to go to God, you know. And that was a good, I was a good case for that because my, my background is a musician. Uh, so I work as a music director and uh, I've worked as a full-time musician my whole life. So Musicians are always, you know, a day away from being homeless, and so I was not a good candidate for, for this job, but God uh, picked me, and, and uh, it was clearly his doing. When we raised the money, there's no way I'm not rich. I couldn't take the credit for it, so uh, anyway, it was a miracle. Uh, I'm going to show you 
and kind of talk through this uh, real quick. The video of where we were. You can go ahead and run the video. So this was the empty land right there when we got it. Seven acres, and it is great farmland, by the way. This is it now. Those are the three homes. We've really developed the land well. Uh, we've actually bought another acre and a half behind the homes, so we own a little bit more now. And uh, we have tremendous fruit. There's papayas that we have uh, uh, banana trees. Uh, we actually grow watermelon there, peanuts, mango trees. We've got m many big mango trees, spinach, kale, um, trying to think of what else we've got over there, but uh, maize, of course, corn. Um, we have a lot of it. And this is, a, this is how we go towards being self-sufficient, by the way. Um, there's some of our employees who built this house to, to help uh, house a, a maize mill. There's the building. And what we did is we built a, or um, we purchased um, this machine that takes maize or corn um, and makes it, prepares it for uh, being uh, edible, I guess, you know, shucking it and all of that. But also maize flour is a very, very popular kind of uh, cooking flour in Kenya. So uh, we can make that right there on site. And uh, we have, this is just a small fraction of just one crop, but uh, not only are we able to feed the kids with this, but we're also able to sell it. Um, we have animals now, as Paul was saying, we have two cows. We have an incubator that uh, hatches over 600 uh, chickens per batch every three weeks, so we can have thousands of chickens and eggs. And our goal is to be self-sufficient here. Not always the easiest thing, but um, we're, we're having to grow our area of where the chicks are going to be at because we're, we're getting out of the hundreds and now into the thousands. And so, um, but it's a tremendous source of money for us. Uh, we're trying to be good stewards with everything that we're doing. We have a water well, so we actually have clean water on site, and that water is pumped into the homes. It's solar-powered. Um, and then we've got these, uh, these water tanks that, you know, you normally buy, but we actually fill the water tank with the water from our well. Uh, each house has an oven uh, and a, a refrigerator. And uh, th these are very, very uncommon in Kenya. The homes don't have these things, generally speaking. Uh, beds. At the old orphanage, children were sleeping three to a bed. Now they're all one to a bed. They, they do their homework around the table, uh, just like our kids do. Um, and uh, they take their education very, very, very seriously. For them, it is an honor to get to go to school and to do well. They do chores every single day. For them, education is the ticket. They get it more than anybody because the reality of not being educated in Kenya is horrible. Um, but they learn these basic life skills of, of, of doing daily chores. This isn't once a week. This is every day when they get home to school, from school, they do chores. And they, they don't have a you know, washer and a dryer. They have to do it by hand. But they love that time. 
they get up before, or the house mom in each house gets up before the sun is up to start preparing breakfast for the children and also lunches that she packs for them. And so these moms are amazing. There's one per, per house. Um, and they are up so early getting the food. I love this part where she walks in. This is how she wakes them up. She just turns on the light. She didn't give them like a warning, you know, like, hey, honey, time to start waking up. Nope. She walks in. You can see the look on their face. It's just <laughs> awful. I, my kids would scream at me if I did that. I love that. Um, the kids uh, have breakfast together. And um, so they function as a family. And this is the thing that should be really encouraging to us is that they don't function like an orphanage, like an Annie or something. They function as a, a home, a family. So those little Tupperware boxes is uh, lunch. They put them in their backpacks, and when they leave for school, it's still dark outside. They walk to school. One of our security guards walks with them. They love school. I've already said this, but uh, for them, at school, next to the door, they actually post their, their, their grades, their scores for every kid in the class. So if you're the worst kid in the class, it's there for everybody. Our kids do remarkably well in the top five of their class. They attend a local church. And we actually even have worship services, which Paul was mentioning, twice a week, every Tuesday and Friday evening. We have a pastor who comes out. There he is, Steve. And uh, these are great worship services and, and Bible studies. And our children are very involved in them. Even for me, you know, having spent so much time there, this is just encouraging to see for me uh, how, how well adjusted they are at this point. When they were living uh, on the street, literally on the street, in back alleys, the white girl is my daughter, by the way, if there's any doubt. Um, <laughs> there's one of the house moms, and the woman on the right is, runs our child sponsorship. They love to play dodgeball and soccer. Um, they're really they're playing dodgeball there. They they love this, and it's vicious. And the, some of the boys are extremely good at soccer. Uh, there's Maxwell, <coughs> Rogers, and Brian, is it Eric? Yeah, um, Hillary. Phineas, Max again, Blessy. We have three Blessies. This is the new Blessy, and she is, uh, she's got a lot of personality. <laughs> she's hilarious. Paul will tell, when I was there in July, I think I must have been the first white person she ever seen, saw because she was scared to death of me. <laughs> and uh, it took her a while. And Paul took her aside and said, no, he's a good guy. And, uh, and by the end of it, she was on my lap, and she's a sweet girl. Um, there's things that we're missing, though, at the orphanage. Um, I, and, and I share this with you. With a couple of things first, it's, it's paramount 
And please hear me on this. It's absolutely paramount that you're giving to your church first. Um, you know, John didn't ask me to say that. It's, it's scriptural. So if you feel compelled to give to Center Will, check your gut first. Make sure that you've, you're, you're being faithful to your giving with the, your church. This is, this is where God does his work, is out of the church. That is the most scriptural thing on earth. He does his work through the church. Uh, we are an organization that we feel like is a partner of churches, a few churches, and this one being a key one. And so uh, we're grateful for that partnership that we have. But there's things that we don't have. We, the homes were built on a, a slope, and so they had to cut the ground to, to level it or to build it, which left an eight-foot-high uh, wall of dirt. But during the rainy season, that dirt just kind of comes right into the house. So we, we have to build a retention wall. We don't have a security parameter or security wall. So we have no way, a new phenomenon, you'll be surprised. We have elephants now coming onto the property. Get a load of that. And elephants aren't fun like in the zoo. <laughs> they are, I mean, they kill people. So when they're starting to encroach on our land, that's a major, major threat. We need to have this concrete security wall around our, our property, around the, the living quarters for the children. Um, there's so much more that we're in the process of trying to do right now. But uh, I tell you this because it may not be you that is the one who's giving. Uh, I would say some of the biggest supporters that we have are from somebody who, who understood what we're trying to say and who shared it with somebody else who did have the means. If you have the means, great. If you don't, maybe God will put it on your heart uh, that this week uh, you're going to share the story and, and send them to centerwill.com and let them start to see the videos and the pictures and they can call me and Paul and I will come visit with them. Uh, Paul's in town for another little over a week. Um, we'll gladly come meet. And Catherine will be here for two weeks. So we'll, we'll meet. We'll come and meet with anybody. But we feel like this is part of what God's called us to do. And uh, the only thing that gives me peace about it is that I know that I don't make, I, I don't get anything from it. So I'm just trying to do what I, is most logical and that Paul and I agree that needs to happen with Center Will to better uh, move forward. By the way, once we finish some of this infrastructure things, like getting an office and some of that, then we can actually really start to have a serious conversation about getting more homes for children on the property because there's room. But And Paul is constantly being uh, contacted by the local authorities there saying, hey, we found another kid living you know, in a bush or something, and we'd like to bring him. And Paul has to say, we have no more beds. We have no more room. In fact, this last week, he, the, the official from the government was kind of persistent, and Paul finally just called one of the house moms and said, do you mind if the little kid sleeps with you? And the mom's got her own room, and, and, and she gave up her bed to sleep with this little kid who's sleeping on the street. So we're at maximum capacity. And... Uh, so we want to see this grow. So hopefully you hear that message. And uh, if, you, if you are interested in helping us get this goal and, and, and get past this phase, uh, chat with me about it.
This is Pastor John. Thank you so much for listening to the Everyday Church Podcast. For more information on us or if you happen to make a spiritual decision during this message, please let us know and go to our website, www.everyday.church. There's an email link that you can click on and we would love to hear from you. If there's anything going on that has happened during this message, if the Lord has spoken to you or you made a decision to follow Jesus Christ. Also, if there's a prayer request or concern, then you can email us and we would love to take the time to pray for you and respond in any way that we can. Again, thank you so much for listening. God bless. Thank you.